from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So, of course, what they do is they dart across the traffic lanes as opposed to going back down and coming up the correct side. And You literally have to go back up onto the bridge and cross that way. Parking that's shared between multiple developments. Those bike-ped connections. The importance of this report is, is that it is kicking that dialogue back in again about the Grand Metrolink station. It feels like St. Louis is a a town that loves to commission studies. And then those studies sometimes sit in drawers and people keep kind of doing what they were planning on doing anyway. What do you see as the next steps here so that doesn't happen with this report that you put so much work into? I'm Sarah Fenske. Midtown St. Louis is seeing a flurry of new development. City Foundry is drawing curious diners to its food hall and shoppers to its winter markets. The Brickline Greenway has big plans to connect the Arch to Forest Park. And did we mention Target is coming? But there's one big hole in all this development. It's a car-centric island in the middle of these walkable plans. And it's the very thing that has no business being car-centric at all. It's the Grand Metro Link Station. That has some planners focusing again on what it would take to connect the transit hub to the neighborhood. And joining us now with more on these plans is Kim Sella. She is the executive director of Citizens for Modern Transit. Kim, thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for having me today. And we're also joined today by Chris Beard. Chris is director of traffic engineering and planning for the Lockmuller Group, and he's chair of a new report by the Urban Land Institute, St. Louis. Chris, welcome. Good afternoon, Sarah. So, Chris, tell us about this report that you just shared. What's the main point it's making? Well, the main point it's making, I think, is is kind of it's, it's dovetailing off what you just said. There's a lot of great development opportunities happening, but a lot of them are happening in isolation. And this report is really about trying to figure out how to better integrate all the amazing things that are happening in that area and really connect them to transit into pedestrian and bicycle facilities to create a more multimodal district. So when you talk about this area, the report says this uh, this is bordered by 64-40 to the north, Shoto to the south, South Teresa Avenue to the east, and South Spring Street to the west. The report says it generally encompasses what should be a five-minute walk from the Grand Metrolink station. So the idea of a five-minute walk sounds lovely. What makes that not such a simple thing when it comes to the neighborhood as it currently exists? Well, there's not as much connectivity as you would think, given those short walking distances. We talked to a number of folks um, that are in the area that are very close. You could throw a rock to the Grand Metro Lake Station from where they're located, but there's not good connections. And some of it has to do with the vertical uh, issues there, the fact that Grand is elevated and there are streets down below that don't have good walking connections to go up and over the railroad tracks to get to the station. That's a big part of of what you see happening. And then there's really just a, a lack of a street grid, a lack of just general connectivity that make those walking trips easy. So, Kim, you advocate for people who are using transit. How big a frustration is it that this area has so much potential and yet is in this mess that Chris describes? So 
Sarah, I, I think that we have a real opportunity here. We actually studied this station 10 years ago. We commissioned a similar study of the Grand Metrolink station, and we really have seen significant movement with the establishment of a 353 and millions in development, like you were just talking about, Target and other um, anchors coming to the area. And we're still focusing on that donut that hole in the donut right here around the Grand Metrolink station. But it is a critical component of the transportation system in Midtown, especially when you look at the multimodal options in this area. You have Metrolink, you have Metrobus, you do have the ability to drive into the Midtown area and connect. You also have Bike Ped with the investment of the Green Line. But again, every time we talk about the Grand Metrolink station and the connecting bus line, there is that issue of connectivity, and Chris just talked about it. It's not just at ground level where the station is located. There's a bike ped issue, but the connectivity vertical is also a challenge that we saw some really bold ideas in this ULI study that came out of this group of experts, and we're excited to see where we go from here. So I want to talk about that bigger picture and some of the recommendations in this report, but as we were preparing this segment, um, Kim, it came to my attention that as we're talking about this this grade shift where people have to get from the street level down to this station, you know, people are reliant on elevators or they're reliant on stairs, and it turns out for months that only one of the two elevators that makes that connection for people has been working. This seems like an enormously frustrating situation. Is this something where even in just the short term, the infrastructure that we already have there, has Citizens for Modern Transit tried to advocate on just keeping it up to snuff? So we are always advocating that the system be well-maintained. We have a program where we have volunteers go out and report in if there's any issues on at a station or on the system itself, Sarah. But there's a real opportunity here, too. If you dig into this report, Chris and his peers who served on the panel talked about doing some really innovative things to address that north-south connection, that vertical connection between the Metrolink platform and the station that's at, and the Metro bus stops at grade on the Grand Bus, on the Grand Bridge. They were looking at things called a strand, I believe it was, Chris, is that right? Uh, it was a stramp, yeah, it's strength. stairs and ramps that are integrated together. And, um, and Chris, and how would that make a difference there? Like, what, what makes that better than the current setup we have? Well, we think that there should be a re- less reliance on elevators because of just the issue that you just mentioned. You know, there, there are reliability issues with elevators no matter where you go in any transit system in the country. So relying less on elevators and having vertical connections that are ADA accessible that don't rely on elevators we think are really important. Elevators also have a very closed-in feel. Uh, one of the recommendations was to create more open vertical transportation where you don't feel so confined and you're you're in a more visible and a more inviting space. And so doing something like that, uh, we think will really help. It's also, with the Brickline Greenway coming in, we think it's also gonna be important to get bikes up and down between Grand and the station level. And and having your bike on an elevator, it's not a conducive means of, of vertical mobility. So integrating ramps into the system, having more open stairwells, we think are part of the, uh, the solution. And, and another option there is also development. Um, there's a number of developments planned adjacent to the station, and to the extent possible that maybe some of that vertical transportation for the public 
can potentially be accommodated with those developments, I think is another strategy to help with the issue. It's interesting, Chris, looking at that area as somebody who's not an engineer, it just feels like such an intractable problem that we have two different grades here and there's a major difference between the two of them. But it sounds like you're saying there are some solutions here. This is not something that would be impossible to tackle if we had the will and we had the money. Absolutely. This is certainly not a problem not seen in other transit systems around the country. It's something that we can solve. There's a lot of great ideas out there. I think we just need to put our heads together and try and make them happen. Something else, Chris, I thought was interesting that the report recommends would be installing a crosswalk across Grand to link the stops for the north and south bus routes. As somebody who doesn't use the bus, it seems shocking that there wouldn't be a good, safe crosswalk between those two things. Well, I think the idea when the station was originally developed is that, you know, you, you don't necessarily transfer between the northbound bus and the southbound bus all that often because you'd be going back in the direction that you came and that any transfers are really between bus and Metrolink. But what you tend to see is folks from the Metrolink are trying to come up to the bus and they maybe take the elevator or the stairs on the wrong side of the street. Mm. They get up to street level and grand and they realize, oh, I'm on the northbound side. I want to get to the southbound side. So, of course... What they do is they dart across the traffic lanes as opposed to going back down and coming up the correct side. And so by providing an at-grade crosswalk, something that's safe and, prote- and, and gives people an opportunity to cross the street, we think that will help uh, with that situation. Now, Kim, another recommendation from the report is to, quote, optimize grand for multimodal transportation. I know that's something that Citizens of Modern Transit is a big fan of. What might that mean in this particular case? What kind of changes to grand? So I think that there are real opportunities. Chris just touched on one, incorporating the development that might go in that area with the actual bridge itself. So our last report called for platform development, again, extending the the bridge to make sure that there's access for bike ped. The other thing that was mentioned is looking at the parking lot that is at ground level. What 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 is it a higher and better use for potentially that metro park lot that would allow for better multimodal connections? You know, if you deboard the Metrolink or you come down the stairwell or the elevators down to the level of the Metrolink platform and, and you're trying to access some of the developments in that area if you try to walk south, you can't. there's no access. You literally have to go back up onto the bridge and cross that way. So really making sure that people who are at the Metrolink level can access the community around it. And Chris touched on it earlier. It's really looking at those bike-ped connections. What do those look like? How do we make that easier? Because we know when you're using transit, there's going to be a walking or a biking connection at one or both ends of your trip. The crosswalk is another idea that seems like a no-brainer, but these are something that could really help if you are using your bike or walking as a part of using the transit system there as well. Hmm. So, Chris, this idea of of capitalizing on other developments that might come into this area or are being planned for this area, what would it take to get developers on board to be a part of some of these solutions? Well, I think a lot of the developers we talk to are absolutely committed to trying to make this area more multimodal, and they see benefits for their projects in doing so. So I think this is where we really try and leverage the Midtown Redevelopment Corporation, and that's the Chapter 353 Redevelopment Corporation that that was created that Kim mentioned. Um, They've got tremendous uh, power over development incentives in the area, and I think that 
they can be a key component to trying to create the type of development that complements the multimodal vision for this area, whether that be through incentives, whether that be through development guidelines. There's also some taxing potential that they have where they could uh, levy an additional tax that could go towards uh, public realm improvements, uh, shared amenities for the district, whether that could be pedestrian bicycle facilities, could be light improved lighting, uh, could be wayfinding signage, um, could be even a district parking program where there's shared parking that's, that's managed proactively and shared amongst the various developers. There's just a limitless number of things I think that can be done but I think that Midtown Redevelopment Corporation is a perfect umbrella organization for trying to implement them. Now, we have heard from a lot of you out there who have a lot of strong feelings about this area. Frankly, people share many of the concerns of the Urban Land Institute and are putting them in even less polite terms in terms of calling for changes to this. I'm going to share some of those after we take a break here. I do want to let you know our phone lines are open. If you have questions about the specific things being proposed in this report or an observation you'd want to share, you can join us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Now, Bi-State, which runs Metrolink and runs the bus system, they're an important part of this. And, and before we take this break, I do want to read a statement that we got from CEO Talby Roach. He said, quote, the report and this discussion bring up many great points about the connectivity of transit and integration into the community. Innovative projects like the Foundry and the evolution of the SLU campus show that our urban environment is literally changing beneath our feet. Metro Transit's challenge is to embrace this change and positively react to the momentum being built around this urban resurgence. So we welcome this discussion and hope to be one of the many partners changing the landscape of our urban environment. One of these changes is created by the physical separation of Grand Boulevard from the Grand Metro Link Station, as noted. Perhaps partnerships to develop better pedestrian and bicycle corridors that could bridge the rail yards and Interstate 64 are a partial solution. Partnerships and innovation require that we address these questions in new ways. We hope to become a strong partner in this conversation. The number 70 Grand Route is the highest ridership bus route on our transit system. We are proud to have successfully deployed our new fully battery electric vehicles on this route, and we believe it is just a glimpse of an enhanced future. However, there's certainly more things to do and greater opportunities to explore. We're going to continue to explore that with our guests right after we take a quick break. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. And now back to today's conversation. We're talking to Chris Beard. He's director of traffic engineering and planning for the Lockmuller Group. He's chair of the Urban Land Institute study looking at this area. We're also joined by Kim Sella, who's executive director of Citizens for Modern Transit. Now, we have heard from many, many of you with a lot of thoughts. Andre writes on Twitter, the whole area is a mess. The light just south of the Forest Park intersection, that is for the apartments. The whole thing needs a redesign. We also heard from Jerry, who writes... 
at the south end of the bridge. The latest steel coat development will add 179 apartments, Target, surface parking, and a two-story parking garage. 18 affordable apartments doesn't offset the tax incentive package. They were granted a 20-year tax abatement, value unknown. At the north end of the bridge, Green Street has proposed an apartment development within the Armory TIF district. Surprise, the project includes structured parking. To sum up, the city's abject failure in transit planning, uh, parking minimums, and the subsidization of development centers the car over all modes of transit. The recent projects along the Grand Corridor from Lindell to Shoto illustrate the absurd outcome of current practices. Chris, I'm curious, you know, there's a lot of parking minimums in this city. We tend to think that if there's an apartment that could house two people, it needs to have parking for at least one or two cars. Do we need different development guidelines in this district? Well, it's a difficult question um, because there's certainly a balance there. We definitely want to make the city multimodal. Everybody, I think, is in agreement with that. Um, but there's also uh, a reality that developers need to try and satisfy on their side, which is the fact that still a lot of the folks that are relocating to uh, new apartment developments, a lot of them are coming with a car. I absolutely agree that we can do better. And I think one of the strategies that we talked about in the report was doing more shared parking and, and more district management of parking. So instead of having an individual development come in with their own parking, we would look to do a strategy where there's parking that's shared between multiple developments. And what that does is it allows you to potentially capitalize on offsetting peak times for parking. So residential developments, the parking is most heavily utilized during the evening and overnight hours when everyone's home. Uh, but a commercial business utilizes parking mostly during the day and at night those spaces are empty. So if we do, if we more cooperatively and more proactively manage our parking as a shared asset, I think we can still serve the same, the same needs, but with a lot fewer spaces. Kim, do you think that's probably the way to go on this, to try to figure out ways to, to maximize what's going on as opposed to just wholesale telling developers, yeah, we don't want you to include so many parking spaces? I think, I think that that really has to be a part of it, Sarah. When we look at this, 10 years ago when we did the first study, there wasn't any of this development. So these developers are seeing the opportunities around this area in the Midtown area. We just have to work with them. It, Chris is right. It's really all about collaboration and cooperation. It is an opportunity for St. Louis Midtown Redevelopment as the 353 to work with these developers to ensure that transit is on equal footing with parking in the area. You know, we've come a long way, but but what we know about the Grand Station is that it's going to require partnerships in the area. It can't just be Metro Transit and it can't just be the city of St. Louis. There's a lot of players and stakeholders in this area, and that's why we did this study for a second time, because we have seen advancements and we have seen progress in Midtown, and there are really exciting things coming. But these groups have an opportunity to work together to really figure out how transit could play a more important role in connecting the area. So Catherine writes on Twitter, please ask your guests how we can generate development here. Changing the roadway isn't going to change the fact that it's a long bridge to walk as a pedestrian. We need to develop at both ends to shorten the distance. Chris, is it your sense at this point that we are needing additional um, development interest in this area? Or once these projects come online, do they fill in most of the gaps and this becomes mostly a, a long bridge problem? 
Well, I think there's a couple things there. I think there's a lot of development interest. So I, I, I think that's the biggest key of where we're at now for maybe where we were 10 years ago is the development interests are there. So it's about making sure we're doing it the right way. And I think the bridge is a key part of that. We talked about having development need to integrate better with the bridge itself. And I think that will help effectively shorten the distance, even you know the, the perceived distance walking across. I think we can also work on tackling the bridge itself I think when you're walking across the bridge, it doesn't feel very comfortable. Traffic is moving very fast. Uh, it's very close to you. So one of the recommendations of, this, of the study was to look at uh, optimizing what you have on that bridge deck today. Perhaps that includes buffering, moving traffic from pedestrians to provide additional comfort for people who are not in their vehicles and putting pedestrians and bicyclists on equal footing with cars on that bridge surface. So I think there's a variety of things there, both with the bridge itself as well as with development, better engaging the bridge level, I think, that can both help with that issue. So here's a vote in favor of those kind of changes. Uh, Richard says, walking north from the Grand Station to St. Louis University, a pedestrian must negotiate their way across I-64 ramps and Forest Park Boulevard. This environment is hardly inviting to humans. Nina adds this. She writes, I bike it every day. A very simple thing they could do is increase street sweeping frequency. There is always tons of debris in the bike lane. Getting buses, mostly the smaller slew ones, to not block the bike lane would also be great. Kim, are there some smaller quality of life issue type stuff we could do in the meantime uh, to make sure that this area feels just a tiny bit more friendly for the people who are trying to make it work even under these bad design conditions? I, I think that there are smaller things and larger things. We have provided this report to the city of St. Louis, so we are making sure all of our stakeholders are aware of what the recommendations were. Sure, trash cleanup, litter. I saw some of the comments on Twitter this morning. The grates are dangerous for uh, bikers and walkers, but there's also what is included in this that's a key recommendation that's been talked about for a really long time is that intersection at Grand and Forest Park. Are there ways that we could improve that intersection so that pedestrian access coming towards the Grand bus stops and the Grand Metrolink station are better and easier for both bikers and walkers to navigate? Yeah, I mean, that intersection is terrifying even in a car. Like, you just don't know who's about to swerve right into you. You don't know where you're supposed to stop. I feel like it's one of the biggest complaints that we get. Kim, you mentioned that this report had been turned over to the city. Do you get the sense that they're serious about being a partner and trying to fix some of these big problems? I think there's real interest on the part of all our, our partners. What I would say is we actually just wrapped up this report. So the last time we did this report, it took 10 years for us to see some of these changes. So I think, Sarah, a lot of these changes will not happen overnight. But again, the importance of this report is, is that it is kicking that dialogue back in again about the Grand Metrolink station and what the opportunities are and how we can make some of these changes happen. Hmm. So Chris, one of the changes you're talking about here that feels a lot less complicated than trying to move a giant uh, cement is that you think that district style branding opportunities exist and that this could really help unify this in the public perception. Tell me how that could work here. Well, one of the things you've got going on here, Sarah, is there's a lot of amenities in this area um, and, and more on the way, right? With Top Golf, we've got a Target coming. We have Armory. It's going to be opening uh, this year. The Foundry opened last year. Shape It's Arena is very close by. But if you put all those things together, you don't necessarily think of them as being part of this 
Midtown hub. And so what we thought do, would help is create a, a branding around this district. Um, and we even suggested that we leverage the Prospect Yards name that has already been created uh, and really try and reinforce that as this is an area as opposed to individual amenities, individual destinations within the area. And then by doing that, that the Metrolink station sort of complements that branding. And you think more of coming to this area via transit. You think more about coming to this area via the future Brookline Greenway as opposed to driving to these individual destinations. Yeah, it feels like such a small thing, but even while looking through this report, and even as somebody who frequents this district just about every day, I found myself struck by how close these things are to each other in a way that I just never think about because I'm always doing it by car. And so this way of raising awareness, Kim, does this help people maybe process? No, you actually could walk from point A to point B. You could bike from point A to to point B. You don't have to bring your car into the mix. I think any little thing that we can do to connect, to promote the connectivity of the transit center that we have here and all of the amenities around it is going to help the St. Louis region understand that this really is an option for people to get to uh, this area, the Midtown area, you know, whether it's the tagline prospect yards or however St. Louis Midtown redevelopment goes ahead and brands the area. For example, we have our 10-toe program where we take individuals out to use the system. They're amazed when we do a walk from the Grand Bus to the Grand Metrolink station and up and down Grand where they can get by walking. Again, we're getting back to that bike ped connection. Is it the easiest walk to get off the Grand Bridge? Maybe not, but the ability to do it and to get to some of these other destinations is significant. And as Chris talked about earlier, the investment with the brick line is just going to be one more aspect of that multimodal connection that will be available in this area that people will be able to access these destinations. So I want to encourage people to check out this report for themselves. There is so much good detail in here. Um, It may just change the way you're thinking about the environment around you. You can find that on our website, stlonair.show, and read it for yourself. Um, But this brings up a bigger point. Kim mentioned there that this is actually the second study, that there was another study of this done 10 years ago, and that there have been a lot of changes since then. But still, this one big issue identified in this previous study 10 years ago, this remains. Chris, it feels like St. Louis is a, a town that loves to commission studies. And then those studies sometimes sit in drawers and people keep kind of doing what they were planning on doing anyway. What do you see as the next steps here so that doesn't happen with this report that you put so much work into? Well, honestly, I think part of why we're where we are today is because of the prior study and the fact that some of the things that were recommended from that study have been implemented and they're now bearing fruit. The Chapter 353 Midtown Redevelopment Corporation, that was a previous recommendation. Uh, the Brickline Greenway and providing an east-west pedestrian bicycle facility was also part of the previous study. So I hope that 10 years from now, we look back at this report and see that a number of the things that have been identified have in fact been implemented. Uh, but I think that having that Midtown Redevelopment Corporation in place, I think they have tremendous power to play an important role in, uh, in moving these recommendations forward. And so I I see them as a catalyst organization that helps bring together all the various stakeholders and partners in the area to try and help move some of these things uh, forward. And Chris, they were a part of this report, so they are 100% on board for, for what it's outlining here as recommendations. Yes. 
Okay. So the final line of the report, this couldn't help but strike me as I was reading this today, quote, the current and proposed developments in the study area are exciting and transformative for St. Louis. All that remains is a manner by which to connect each site to one another and the surrounding community. When you put it that way, it sounds so simple. It feels like in this town, that can be the hardest thing of all. Kim, do you have the same hope that Chris has, that we can bring this all together at this point, and that if we come back in 10 years and do another study, we're not going to be talking about some of these same issues we're talking about today. Sarah, 100%. Like I talked about earlier, the 2012 report called for bold action in this area. And I think we've seen some of those bold action items completed. Chris just talked about those. Again, 2021, the report calls for bold action, transformative action with regards to connecting the area to these new and exciting developments. And I do think it's a possibility, whether it's a vertical connection between the upper part of the bridge and the Metrolink station, or something that has to do with the development going in adjacent to the bridge where they incorporate transit and transportation options through that development. I think that we can do this. And I think that's why we brought this study forward again, is so that we can make sure that we're not only educating our partners like SLU in the city and Metro Transit, but the developers working in this area, that transit is a critical component to the success. Hmm. So this feels like exciting times. It feels like the next couple of years are going to be make or break for this neighborhood. It sounds like both of you are saying you think we can do this. Do I hear a vote of confidence, Kim? That's, that's one from you? Yes, 100%. And Transit Chris, is a critical component. Chris, you're, you're there too. Everybody's all in. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us today. I want to encourage people again. You can read this report on our website, stlonair.show. Chris Beard, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Chris is Director of Traffic Engineering and Planning for the Lockmuller Group. He's also Chair of this study from the Urban Land Institute St. Louis. And Kim Sella, thank you so much for joining us. Sarah, thank you, and thank you for helping us continue the conversation. And Kim is the Executive Director of Citizens for Modern Transit. This episode was produced by Evie Hempel with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.